We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse Sound on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined, as ever, by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Um, yeah, I've been worse. <laughs> I'm I'm on very little sleep as per usual. I've been I've been working extra so that I don't need to work much during TIFF. So lots of eleven hour shifts and lots of eleven hour shifts. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of TIFF, we're gonna have a bunch of coverage going down at Sound on Site for that. It sounds like that's just starting to kick in uh kick into drive. Yeah, that's actually already started somehow, which is insane. Um, yeah, I've got a, a few reviews written already, which are going to be popping up later this week. And after that, I'm just going to be, yeah, I'm going to be holed up in the TIFF press lounge uh, for quite a bit. Supposedly, they have impressive food, which no one, none of you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, good time. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm coming up to Toronto for TIFF. Um, I know there are a bunch of other Sound and Sight people who are converging upon the city. So if you're going to be in Toronto, you know, you live there, you're going to come up for TIFF, let us know. We're looking to do a meetup, a Sound of Sight meetup. And uh, so that's going to be, what, next week we're looking at? Yes, late next week. Late next week. So that that looks like it's going to be fun. So many good movies, uh, or so many, well, I don't know if they're good. I hope they're good. They look good uh, at Toronto this year. <laughs> so many movies. Some of them will be good. Inevitably, some of them will be horrible, but I'm going to try not to see any of those. <laughs> Of course, at the end of the show, we're going to be talking with Ricky D from Sound on Sight about uh, Breaking Bad, the the mid season finale that we just watched, as well as the the entirety of season five so far. But before that, let's let's take a look at some of the comments that we got from you guys this week. We heard from a bunch of you guys. We heard from Mario because uh, <laughs> I of course I asked people what they thought about Grimm so far last week. He said he's liking Grimm, but the intro has got to go. Uh, and it did this week. The, the terrible narration didn't happen. So apparently Mario, cool. they're listening, uh, at least to some of what the, the internet fan base is saying. So we, c- congratulations. We don't have to watch a terrible intro anymore. He also is, had some comments about Vampire Diaries versus True Blood, which I thought were interesting. He's watching Face Off now, which looks amazing. And Top Chef Masters, I've been watching this season. We haven't been talking about it on the show, but have you caught any of Top Chef this year? No, I really haven't. Um, this past episode was hilarious, at least parts of it, because Dita Vantis was on to talk about uh, aphrodisiac foods, which would t- t- test them, and it was hilarious to watch Curtis just utterly flustered, uh, d- trying, you know, interacting with her. It was just a lot of fun. So it's been a, it's been a good season this year, and I'm it's one that I consistently look forward to. We never talk about it on here because I don't really feel like there's that much to say, but I've definitely been enjoying it as well. Um, then we heard from Keith, who is jonesing for fall TV previews. We're going to do ours next week. Uh, yes. And, man, I don't know. I'm not 
this bunch, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm there's only a couple of shows that I'm, I'm even just a spoiler alert, only a couple of shows that I'm even vaguely excited for. I'm hoping for some nice surprises, but, uh, it's not an exciting bunch. I don't think there are a bunch of pilots. Well, at least a few that have been released early online, which is pretty cool that they're doing this, that this year, Mindy, the Mindy project and Ben and Kate are both up at Hulu. And then apparently revolution, um, which it was the highlight of the pilots that they showed at Comic-Con for, for me, at least that is up online as well. So you can check all those out to get a sort of a sneak peek at what shows you're going to want to try to follow. So, uh, but yeah, the, the fall season is going to start next week. Uh, the 11th is the first fall, uh, pilot, starting up but really it's the week after when when all the premieres are going to be happening so that's when we're going to do our preview then talk to a little newsroom and so you think you can dance with stephanie and shannon is also digging grim so it's good to uh hear from him and uh yeah thank you guys so much for for dropping us a line we didn't get any ratings or reviews in itunes this week but you know maybe next week that would be nice <laughs> yeah I, I wonder if that's somehow connected to my marathon of hate for the newsroom <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, I'm I'm gonna miss the newsroom. Nothing, nothing dredges up that kind of bile for me this week. I had to cut out like we went super long last week because uh, it was the anniversary show, but I still cut out like four minutes of us talking about the newsroom <laughs> from that. So even it's, you know it was like almost a twenty minute segment as it was, and there was another four minutes that got left on the floor. Yeah. Well, I just I just keep having these moments of revelation of oh, this was ridiculous and horrible too. But it, it just got it just got to be too much after a while. Yeah, I chose to chop up the political conversation that we got into. So maybe listeners, if you're going to be in Toronto, you can come to our meetup and you can hear what uh, what what we didn't get to say on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the the non-offensive bits. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I'm going to be putting up an article this week on the the fall pilots the that. This next round that have been released that people have seen um, with reviews, so that'll be coming up. I, I meant to do that this past weekend, but things got kind of crazy. What with Doctor Who starting, what? So my review for that is up as on the site as well. Before we get into our weekend TV, there's a few shows that, for me at least, didn't have a specific day. First of all, I'm finally caught up with Treme, so I'm all good to go for that when it premieres, and I've really enjoyed the second season. Um, so that I was very glad to get caught up with that and I look forward to all the fabulous music and interesting stories that I'm sure are coming. You're caught up with that too, yes? Or no, you've only seen season one. Yeah, I've seen season one. I, I'm under the impression that season two is sort of more of the same, which I'm not saying in a in a negative way. I just feel like nobody seemed to think it was a huge leap forward or like a stumble out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like Treme while I'm watching it. Uh, I feel like if I'm if I'm doing it week to week as opposed to marathoning it like you did, it's a little bit more frustrating. I kind of – I I would prefer to, you know, wait till a whole season piles up and then watch it then. But I'll be curious to see what it's like to go back to uh, weekly watching for that. Yeah, I think that will definitely make a difference in how – in what the viewing experience is because I know a lot of people were frustrated at – last year feeling like it was really dark it was really slow but i didn't get that at all marathoning it so that'll be an interesting thing to to watch out for next we have i'm going to mention american ninja warrior which finished up and was awesome uh only one guy made it to stage three and he got past the first american he was the first american ever to defeat the cliffhanger 
Um, but he did not get it all the way to the end of of the third stage. So, it, but it, it was still an impressive showing and a lot of fun to watch. So, I look forward to the next round of of Ninja Warrior uh, American or original flavor uh, that I assume will at some point show up on G Four. But let's talk about the Daily Show and Colbert Report coverage of the RNC this week. Right, which I only caught the first day and a half of for each I, I i used to catch actually colbert and daily show every night but uh, ever since i moved i haven't had time i did watch the the first episode and a bit of each one i have to say from what i saw um i i know you you told me that the best stuff was actually at the end of the week but from what i saw by far my favorite segment was samantha b's bit on reproductive rights at the rnc which was it was, I mean, it was kind of an easy, you know, fish, you know, if you go out talking about abortion at the RNC, you're going to have a good time. But, um, you know, she's, she's just such a pro. I mean, I, I realized, but I was looking at her Wikipedia page after watching the segment, she's been on the show for almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. She's, to me, she's almost as much part of the identity of the Jon Stewart Daily Show as Jon Stewart is. And uh, to me, she's always been the most consistent sort of uh, correspondent they've had. And that segment was just uh, awesome. Yeah, that one broke my sister when we were watching it. She just couldn't stop laughing. It was it was great. By the time we got to little platform, uh, she was just like <laughs> completely just broken by it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that segment. I, I really enjoyed the correspondence at the, uh, the on the final day of coverage where they were treating the the going around as if they were CEOs and they were auditing each of the states of which I believe two of the people were from state that they interviewed were from states that weren't in the red. So that was, uh, that was fun. And again, perhaps it's an easy target, but you know what, when it's done so well, I I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> and then again, there was another Samantha B and uh, Samantha B segment with the their latest correspondent whose name I don't actually know yet. And I feel kind of bad because she does a great job. Um, but that, along with uh, Stewart's reaction and commentary on the Clint Eastwood thing and and Romney, God, what what a what a gift! Oh yeah, that. <laughs> oh, and then the 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 Paul Ryan speech reaction the day before was also pretty great. And then Colbert did this great interview with Clint Eastwood's chair, uh, which was on uh, the the final day of Colbert coverage as well. So it's, it's been, I think the daily show and Colbert have been the most reliable comedy this week. I I've watched each of those episodes at least twice. Um, and, yeah. and I am looking forward to them skewering and, and just mocking the DNC just as much in this next mm-hmm. week. Yes. It's like watching the newsroom, except fun and funny. <laughs> Leaving that alone, uh, you you also watched Sex House. Right. So this is a web series uh, created by The Onion. You can watch it all on YouTube. A, the episodes are about seven minutes long. Episode nine should be out this Thursday. I'm assuming there's going to be ten episodes. So the thing about this series is the first episode makes it seem like it's about one thing, and it's not all that great. It's uh, about these strangers who are thrown into a house. It's a reality show parody. And literally the object of this reality show seems to be whoever has the most sex wins. It's just this this very base parody of reality shows. Uh, and it that seems to be the whole joke at first. And it's awkward and kind of funny and it's well cast and it's very well edited. It's quite, it's quite convincing in terms of uh, capturing the reality aesthetic. But then episode two comes and things start to happen. And it becomes clear that it's not so much about these people – 
as it is about the house and the producers and what they're what they're willing to do and not do and what they have the resources for and don't have the resources for. And that's all I'm going to say because it gets terrifying and insanely hilarious. It's one of the funniest, cleverest things I've seen all year, but it, but it's not for the faint of heart. So it gets, uh, it gets hairy. That's all I have to say. And I, I have no idea how they're going to, uh, keep escalating it over these next two episodes or a second season, which they've sort of been hinting at on Twitter, which I don't know if that's even possible, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm being deliberately vague because I don't want to spoil uh, spoil the surprise. But it's, okay. uh, I mean, honestly, take an hour out of your life and watch and watch these. If the, if the first episode doesn't doesn't get you, trust me, go for the second one. Maybe uh, maybe it'll work on you. Sex House on YouTube, The Onion. It's fantastic. Cool. That's just vague enough of a description for me to have to check it out. Yeah, well, I, I can't. I, I can't promise you're going to like it, but it's. Uh, I, I can promise that if you watch, if you watch up to what they've done now, you won't soon forget it. Okay, uh, let's start our week in TV, and uh, let's go with "So You Think You Can Dance," which had its top eight people dance, and then revealed who the top six are going to be. You watched this week? I did. Um, I'm, I may have trouble remembering everyone's name and what sort of style they did because I know precisely jack about dancing, but. Um... You know, I'll I'll work on it. So uh, for me, uh, the my favorite routines. Well, one of them actually involved the guy they kicked out, which was Will. Um, that sort of uh, that really clever routine with the um, with one guy with you know the guy and his sort of conscience or whatever you want to call it. The mental. I don't. It, it was. It's kind <laughs> of actually a tricky concept to explain, but they never actually interacted physically on the stage. They're just sort of. Uh, you know, one person would push the other, but they'd be halfway across the stage. And I, I, I'm not describing it very well, but I thought that was uh, really, really cool. I also loved, uh, I have to say, Keon Solo. I thought that was mm-hmm. by far my favorite of those. I, I wasn't particularly surprised uh, when Lindsay went home just because for some reason the audience has not caught on to her. She's been in the bottom several times and then the judges have just kept saving her because she's really good. Um, but apparently this was the week that that ran out. Uh, I was more surprised about Will, or I would have been if Twitter hadn't spoiled me. So, you know, not cool, guys. But I think at this point, of the people who are left, I am most rooting for Keon and Eliana to win. But I do think that they're all pretty good. I think uh, saving Cole over Will seems like a strange choice to me. Not that Cole's not really good, but I, I guess I would have saved Will. And, uh, and while I do very much enjoy Cyrus, he's ridiculously good at what he does. He shouldn't be on the show anymore. He doesn't have versatility. I mean, he, he, he gets through these other types of dance impressively well, considering he has no training. But if you put him trying to do ballroom next to any of the other people who don't have ballroom experience trying to do ballroom, there's, there's no comparison. And I think the judges are very easy on him. Obviously, the, the they don't decide if he makes it into the bottom set or not, but I think they should be more critical of him, and perhaps that would affect some of the, the popular voting. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree. He definitely seems uh, a little bit more limited, but uh, of course, if I was in the States and could vote, I would put in a write-in vote. Can we do that? I, w- I would put in one of those for Whitney's dad, 
who <laughs> yeah i because even before he showed up I, when they mentioned that whitney was 18 i think i was just like that's <laughs> gotta be awkward to watch and then it, <laughs> then he came on explaining exactly that and i was like that's that's yeah i mean even if you're not you know a, a mormon family which uh, i i believe they are um that's got to be uncomfortable and then of course right after he said that she comes out doing like a vegas solo <laughs> just like oh god <laughs> who's your uh, pick right now based on the like two episodes you've seen this season who would you pick to win um well i've only seen the one episode but um I would go for, I mean, Emiliana's pretty damn, or Eliana, Eliana is pretty damn good and seems to not miss a step, really. Oh, it's, there's one guy and one girl. Oh, are gonna win. oh right. Um, I forgot about that part. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm on board with you, Eliana and Keon. All right, sound like a good pairing to me. Yeah, and I want to see them do a ballet because they're both ridiculous ba- ballet dancers and they don't ever make anybody do ballet probably because it's too hard if you don't have the training. Um, but I would love, you know, when are they next going to have two ballet dancers in their, in their top six? I think I'm hoping they take advantage of that opportunity Mm -hmm. on the next show, but we'll see. Let's move on though to Futurama and their mid-season finale, 31st Century Fox and Naturama. Uh, you didn't get a chance to see these, so I'll just go through it quickly. Uh, Um, 31st Century Fox featured fox hunting with mechanical or robot foxes and Bender and Leela get involved. And I think it was fun. Uh, Patrick Stewart shows up as the voice of the, the, uh, aristocratic gentleman running the hunt and that was fun uh but i think naturama was the more successful of the two it was another anthology of interest uh this time uh with three segments about different uh sort of couples but is all the the planet express crew as animals so as as salmon in one as as uh seals in another um, and I don't actually remember what the first one was off the top of my head, but, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, oh, and there's a tortoise and birds, uh, Galapagos tortoise and birds. So I think it was good. It wasn't as successful for me as their initial one. I don't think they'll ever top their initial anthology of interest. Yeah, that in, in my ruled. Opinion. That was such a good episode. But, uh, I, a lot of people are big fans of this one. I think it's, it's diverting and fun, but I, I can't you know can't ignore the fact that i was i was very tired when i watched it but i fell asleep about five times and had to rewind and catch back with where i was because you know while it was very good it wasn't that particular kind of good that draws you in it absolutely holds your attention if you have anything you know else fighting Mm -hmm. for your attention like sleep. i i I didn't watch futurama this week but i feel like that show is they need to switch it up like somehow think of some dramatic thread with the characters or something to uh to sort of reignite things because it seems like they've been sort of running in place for a while yeah they need to come up with a a new storyline like the alpha brainwave or something yeah something something you know where it's a little bit more of a recurring storyline just to to change it up from where they're at but that being said i still watch the entire season i still enjoy this episode um, but it's just, it's nowhere near as, uh, much what must watch TV as it, it used to be for me at least, but let's talk, uh, children's hospital and NTSFSD SUV, uh, children's hospital free day. Right. Uh, I'm still waiting for children's hospital to get sort of back to its, its sort of zany apex, which it hasn't really been mm. on lately for me. Like this, this, uh, this was fun, but like, it's sort of like the rest of the season has been like fun, but not fantastic 
Um, and it, it, and it seemed to end on a really random, unfunny note, which was unusual for it. Uh, it just seemed to have a lot of ideas that it was sort of throwing around. Uh, I don't know. Th- that one didn't really land for me. The, the running gags in this didn't work for me. The the chief is so ugly. She's uglier than Pooh. Just it kept going and it wasn't funny to start with. And it didn't come back around and become funny when they kept repeating it. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't feeling this episode in particular. I thought NTSSDSUV was a lot funnier this week. Um, and that was the, of course, the one with Stein. And yes, the, right, uh, Max Greenfield. The assassinations. Uh, what about? I mean, is that? I'm glad it's not just me. I, for for a while there, I was feeling like I was the only one who wasn't digging this season as much. Um, I, I I do think uh, NTSF was pretty good though. What did you think about that one? Oh, I, th- I thought it was all right. Not quite as good as as last week. I mean, I'm always. You know, for me, actors are vain and ridiculous is always a good, reliable source of humor that I don't need to think about too much, uh, which we got this week. Um, and it was the it was nice to see Max Greenfield actually get stuff to do because sometimes they bring guests in on the show and they're there for two seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. and he got to try on funny accents and contort contort a lot and kidnap and attack people, which is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I I liked the the resolution with uh, with the idea that actors can't actually go to jail which yeah. uh, which isn't that far from the truth yeah yeah it worked uh it worked pretty well i thought and the whole uh third hand reveal was i think had the appropriate tone and just kind of was the right button for that and yeah. it, i thought it really worked next up is awkward pick me choose me love me which again more triangle centric but it did have a few gags i thought i was remember um uh, I did have a few gags I thought you would enjoy. I loved uh, uh, Jake and Maddie bonding over Jules and Jim. It was kind of awesome. And uh, the whole level of meta that they brought to the show with with the Jenna's blog being out there. And so now half the school is Team Maddie and half the school is Team Jake. I think they've actually handled that pretty well and kept the tone... Uh, just fun enough. It kept the show fun enough that that, that is working and not being annoying like maybe it would be i think they're also handling the parents well and the mom and her relationship with jenna and with the dad i think they're actually finally getting to some level of uh of complexity and interest with that whereas it's been incredibly broad for most of the season so i think you know it's still not the kind of show you're looking for but for me i thought it was a step in the right direction you know i i heard about because i do occasionally read up on awkward even though i don't watch it and i heard about this whole plot point of her blog coming out and everyone reading it which seems strange to me like teenagers are only interested in themselves i don't see why they would get so caught up in a you know semi-dramatic you know the semi-dramatic blog entries of someone they mostly don't really know i don't know that doesn't really ring true to me if only it, it does it totally rings true to me if only for people looking to see if they're in it I guess, but I mean, she doesn't have that many friends. I don't, I don't really see how it's, she. She seems to know like three people, and she's you know involved with two of them. That's true. We'll see what happens with it. I do think um, for the the generation that is never uh, away from their phone, constantly texting, constantly checking for updates to Facebook and everything else. I think it's not as much of a stretch as maybe it would have been even just a few years ago. Um, but I think more than anything, for me, what it has me optimistic about the last few episodes of this season is that they are focusing more on the 
the relationship showing Jenna trying to deciding to focus on her mother rather than Jake or Maddie right now, I think is, is a good choice. And so I look forward to, to seeing where they go. I also hope next season it, we don't have this kind of triangle stuff. I, you know, it's going to be an extra long next season, so we'll see where they go with it. But, uh, but yeah, nobody was acting like a dick this week. So progress. That's always good. Let's talk about Wilfred, though. Questions. Uh, I really like this episode. Uh, it was one of my favorite of the season, probably. And, and this has been a strong season for them. What did you think? Yeah, you know, I've been trying to think of what shows have improved this year over last year. And it's a, it's a depressingly short list. For me, it's pretty much, and I know, and no one, very few people will agree with me, but Justified and Wilfred. And that might mm-hmm. actually be it so far. <laughs> Yeah, but um, which is more about how awesome last year was than that this year is. Yeah, maybe, bad. but uh, but I really do think uh, Wilfred stepped it up nicely, and this is a show that could and has gone wrong in so many ways. It's such a precarious <laughs> concept. It has to be not too scatological and not too creepy. Although, actually, that's not really a problem for me. Um, or <laughs> and and you know, and and Ryan has the potential to be such an annoying protagonist you know he's mm-hmm. he's someone for whom all everything's always going wrong and he has these sort of nebulous personal issues which we sort of start to finally get a, a grasp on this week and you know he's he is the person who sees something everyone else can't which is always uh you know always has potential for annoyance but uh i, I think elijah was done a great job in the role and obviously jason gann is a wonderful counterbalance and uh this week was was uh was great uh almost as good as sort of the peak episode we got a couple weeks ago i mean they added brad dorif so i'm already it's it's already got me right there that man needs so much more work and um you know especially having him just sort of be this how would we describe his role exactly i think that i think he had like an actual name like yeah he had an no he didn't have a name he had yeah he had initials and i'm yeah yeah it, it was crazy the great thing yeah the great thing about wilfred is They'll plant these mis. This is actually a comedy that features mysteries that mm-hmm. maybe have answers. Do you feel like they have an answer for all for all this, or do you think they're just going to keep stringing no. us along? Because they claim that they do. I'm sure maybe they have an answer that you know that for, for within the writers' room, but I don't think they're ever going to give it because I think it's oh he's crazy. I think it's a really simple answer. I don't think there's a dense mythology behind who Wilfred is, because I don't think that's the point of the show in any way. And and so I maybe the show ends with Wilfred turning into a dog and Ryan's all better, but I, I don't even really see that. I see this show ending with Ryan sauntering off into the sunset with with Jason Gann as Wilfred, you know, str- strutting along next to him. So... I think if, uh, even more than on a show like Lost, if you're focusing on the mysteries of Wilfred, I think you're kind of missing the point. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this, this episode. I, I thought, first of all, the, uh, the spirit guide, uh, and, and Wilfred's argument, yes. you know, culminating in the, well, first of all, the spirit guide being so stereotypical and, uh, sort of, uh, looking down on Ryan for creating him to be that way was kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the, the arrow through the neck, <laughs> lady <laughs> yeah. into, I mean, it just, it was great. There, one thing after another, I, I, I think they did a good job with, um, you know, a level of surrealism and dreamlike, dreamlike, 
uh, you know, tone and and uh, and aesthetic. I don't think it's the best dream or, or uh, I guess, trip episode I've seen of television, but I think for Wilfred, for that kind of uh, tone and uh, the kind of show that it is, I think they did a good job. And it was funny. And yeah. it was very informative of the character. So yeah, totally. I definitely look forward to where we're going next. Yeah. And, I, and I liked um, that we got little callbacks to the sort of everything that's going on rather than having to fold everything together in an explicit way, like him getting a phone call mm-hmm. from Jenna. And just sort of mm-hmm. waking up and then going back in. That's it. That was a nice. Uh, that was a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. Uh, do you think they're going to bring Allison Mack back? I feel like they kind of have to, based on, yeah, based on the fact that she sort of cropped up again this week in in Ryan's thoughts. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. I feel like we'll see her again before the season's out, anyway. Yeah. Um, let's move on though to Louis and Late Show Part One. This is the beginning of a departure for the show, first three-parter, and uh, it's off. It's not on the air next week, which <laughs> is such annoying. a dick move. The first time you're doing a proper, like, outright serialized um, three-parter with cliffhangers, we got a cliffhanger on Louis this week, and it's one of the only times they've ever taken a week off for, I guess, Labor Day. That 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 was yesterday. Yeah, well, I'm Labor Week. I don't know. I mean, I haven't had a Labor Day <laughs> off in ten years, so I never even think of it as a holiday. Um, yeah. So I didn't even write uh, a recap this week because this episode was so dependent on whatever the hell is coming later. I mean, really, there was only one sequence of real substance, and that was the one that ended the episode with uh, Louis being confronted by a fantastic Gary Marshall. I had mm-hmm. I, I had no idea the guy had it in him, so way to go, Gary Marshall. That ruled. Uh, I, I I read someone making a Ben Gazzara comparison, and it was weirdly accurate. Um, I loved that sequence, and I've seen the preview for the coming episode, so I have some idea of where it's going, and I'm really, really, really excited. But, you know, I've, I've, I, the show, as far as I know, has never toyed with reality in the same way that this did. I mean, this is basically Louis trying on Larry Sanders for a few episodes or seems to be, mm-hmm. which is sort of an interesting idea and sort of pretty explicitly taking on a portion of his life that we're familiar with, you know, where he goes on late, on late night and, and has a bit that goes viral. And, um, and so suddenly he's, he's more popular than before, but they're taking it in a vastly different direction from actual reality. We assume, I mean, I don't think any, I don't th- it would be great if this all actually did happen, but I'm sure it didn't. <laughs> It would be the most hilarious, you know, way of, of breaking the news ever. That would be, I would, that would be amazing. But that, that's not what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I think it's a good episode. It's a solid start to a three-parter. I didn't see it coming at all. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's so well done. I love that actor who plays Louis' manager or his, his agent. agent. Yeah, he's great. It was nice to see him get a little bit of a showcase this week. Yeah, absolutely. So funny. And, uh. Yeah, I, I again like I like you. I don't have that much to say about it because I'm just waiting to see how it sort of pieces together. But as an episode itself, it was funny, it was interesting, and it certainly has me intrigued to see what comes next. And and it was, uh, I'm sure you were happy to get a nice, good, long bit of stand up at the beginning, which was some of the best mm-hmm. of the whole season. I love that uh, the yeah. Amazon review bit. Like it, it, ma- it makes sense. Like what was it, what's impressive to me is that he had the original bit that went viral. Everybody's everything's amazing and nobody's happy. And then he managed to write another bit that to me was just as funny and could, I could just mm-hmm. as easily have imagined going viral. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but we're going to keep things moving, and we're going to go on to Saturday and Doctor Who, Asylum of the Daleks. You watched this. Yeah, I watched it. What did you think? This is your first ever Dalek episode. Oh, well, yeah. It's Oh, now I have to talk about it? Ah, damn it. All right, well. That's what happens when you watch it. Uh, you didn't have to watch no, it. I, I had, did. I had a uh, we, we were, Doctor we Who were correspondent light. waiting in the wings. We were, we were light on material this week. I figured, why not? Yeah. Um, uh, Daleks aren't scary. I'm just going to say that. They're they're basically walking garbage. Mean, they're not even walking. They're just sort of hovering garbage cans, rolling, rolling garbage <laughs> cans. Uh, they're not scary. The voices do their best to be scary, but they're not scary. Sorry um, if people think they are. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. But um, I did enjoy the addition of Oswin, who I, from what I understand, is not, this is not a one-off for her. The actress who plays Oswin is going to be the next companion, and she's in the Christmas special. Now, whether she's playing the same character or a different character is a different conversation. That's happened before on uh, on the show. Actually, a couple of different characters have, uh, actors have been on the show before they came on as a companion playing a different character. Um, the, the, the second companion, Martha Jones, of the new series, uh, Freeman Adjaman was on, or like the season before, the actress, uh, Karen Gillan, who's playing Amy Pond, was on during the fourth season, so a year before she came on. However, I think she's going to be the same character. Right. I think it's going to be Oswin somehow. Timey-wimey, they'll figure yeah. it out. Well, they, they, it, it, yeah, I would. I don't know anything about Doctor Who, but I would agree with that just based on them spending so much time with her this week and sort of getting to know her sort of quirkiness and uh in other aspects um the whole i was hoping for something a little more substantial out of the sort of reason that the pawns got or want to get divorced or i guess they don't they i mean she signs it but i don't think it's actually officially yet um i was hoping for something a little better than you know a very basic communication issue which you think they could have worked out over a couple millennia i don't know mm-hmm. um i don't know did that work for you or not I think the scene that we get of their confrontation was very well acted. I think the both Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville just were fantastic in that scene. However, it wasn't believable for those characters. So if you didn't, you know, if you if you come into the show and you don't know these characters, maybe that would work better. Uh, for it you. didn't for me, and I don't really know them at it all. It didn't for you. You don't really know them, but for as Amy Pond and Rory Williams, it didn't make sense. Um, and and that's something that I addressed. I have my my review up at Sundance site for this episode. It's something that I addressed in my review. Um, it makes sense for them to be very messed up based on what they've experienced traveling with the Doctor and what's happened to them. It absolutely makes sense for them to be unable to like for their marriage to fall apart because of something is not impossible to believe, uh, though it's difficult to believe, but. And this is even a legitimate reason that marriages do fall apart, but it's just a, like you said, it's a simple communication problem. She just doesn't talk to him and that's why she decides to leave. You know, it doesn't make sense. Right. Oh, and, and, and sorry, I have to ask as someone who hasn't watched a lot of this. Um, so did, uh, did she and the doctor ever bang? Cause man, they make no. eyes at each other a whole lot. No, no. It, there's a, there's somewhat of a history there or there's a history of companions falling in love with the doctor um and so there's there's somewhat of that element to it but it's not that's 
especially the doctor he's just like you're human that's that's gross so uh that's if if there's subtext there um yeah obviously you caught we're catching on to something Maybe. but i don't uh, know he I, i'm just saying he doesn't seem to find her gross Oh, well, yeah, romantically gross. He's very, very uh, emotionally stunted when it comes to humans uh, that aren't Rose Tyler, that is. Um, but the as for Oswin, I think she was, that character was great. I look forward to, if that's the same character, I look forward to seeing her traveling around with the Doctor uh, once the pawns leave. Uh, there have been actually many episodes that feature characters like Oswin or, or feature some companion type character just as prominently who then never comes back. Uh, but but I'm glad that this doesn't seem to be the case this time. And I think they did a good job of changing up the Daleks, and I like where they end with with the Daleks not knowing the Doctor anymore. I think that changes the paradigm in a, an important way, and I look forward to seeing what happens next with the Daleks. And I haven't been able to say that for a very long time because the, the Daleks, as great as they have been in the past in the classic series and in the season one episode Dalek, they've been really poorly used in the the new series, as far as I'm concerned, in general. So uh, I think that's a feat for Moffat to have achieved. The fact that I actually care about what happens next time with the Daleks is surprising. Right. Uh, I will also add that I came on the Sound of the Sight Doctor Who podcast to talk about this with uh, Derek and the rest of the gang, and I think that should be coming going up soon. So if you want to hear, you know, closer to an hour of the four of us talking Doctor Who and talking Asylum of the Daleks, you can find that at Sound on Sight uh, once it goes up. Right. Uh, I, sh- I should mention also that the preview for next week, tacked on at the end of, the- of this episode, just made my skin crawl. It's just everything that potentially bothers me and creeps me out about doctor who in one episode dinosaurs on a spaceship oh god shoot me that's exactly what uh derek said oh. so you are right on the uh really same page with him wow yeah. all right whereas i i look at that and i go dinosaurs on a spaceship awesome. uh, like like i said on the on the spotlight last week i don't have a sense of wonder episodes like that are not going to work for me <laughs> i mean maybe i'll watch it if i if I happen to hate myself enough that day, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do, as I said, I do have a, another Doctor Who correspondent waiting in the wings to come on when you don't watch an episode, so right. so I have somebody to talk about it with. But uh, that we'll see. We'll see if it's necessary in the future. The final show we have is Grimm and Quill. I thought this was a pretty good episode. It's been a solid, I think, consistent season two so far. This one featured a lot of of Hank and Monroe. And they're they're surprising me with where they're taking Juliet's memory loss, which I am pleased by. I will say, uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with the captain. I, I would like to see a bit more Wu. I think he gets about like a scene a, w- a week, and that actor is a lot of fun and in in that role too. Um, but this one was mostly about Monroe and Rosalie and and Hank and Nick those two pairings and they I think they're doing a good job with each with each of these and I think we're starting to see some of the downside of Hank knowing about Vesson just in his approach he seems much more cavalier than than Nick is so I look forward to seeing where they take that I'm glad that they finally hooked up Monroe and Rosalie I kind of assumed they had been dating this whole time but apparently not so that's uh 
that's good that we finally have progress with them. And, uh, yeah, they've, like I said, I think the, the creatures this week, uh, there's this plague that the Vessin have, which looks appropriately disgusting and creepy. And also there's a, uh, a creature, like a porcupine kind of, uh, based, based Vessin that the creature designed for, for which was really cool. So they continue to have creative and interesting, um, ideas and directions that they're taking the show. So as far as I'm concerned, Grimm is still doing pretty well. It's going to be off for most of September now, and it's coming back on Friday. So we'll see if it's able to maintain this momentum with that long of a break. But I'm cautiously optimistic, so we'll see what uh, what happens. So that wraps up our week in TV, and we're going to take a little break and come back with Ricky D to talk Breaking Bad, gliding over all the mid-season finale, as well as the entirety of season five to this point. Pick yourself up. Take a deep breath. Dust yourself off and start all over again Nothing's impossible I have found For when my chin is on the ground I pick myself up, dust myself off And start all over again back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week we're skipping the DVD shelf because we have the first half of the last season of Breaking Bad to talk about. And here to join us from Sound on Sight is Ricky D. Ricky, welcome back to the show. Hey guys, thank you for having me on. So, so you have been in Barcelona and you just got home yesterday and you still said you were going to catch up because you really wanted to talk Breaking Bad Season 5 with us. How do you feel about the season? How do you feel about the finale? But why did you so very much, despite all of your, I assume, jet lag and all of that, want to make sure that you talked, we got, you got to talk Breaking Bad with us? Well, I'm not jet lag because I purposely didn't sleep on the plane so I can come home, fall asleep, wake up really early, and then sit in my bed and watch Breaking Bad and catch up. So I just finished the season. And I guess, I mean, look, I really do think that this is probably the second greatest show ever made. Uh, we'll see how it ends. But I was really, really impressed with this season. Minus one episode, the sixth episode was totally useless. You could tell that sixth episode was written in, in a way where they were trying to stretch it out into, two, into like, I, I guess it's one season, but technically it's sort of like two seasons because, I mean, there's like this break. And uh, from my memory, in the past, one season was roughly, what, 10, 11 episodes. So they increased it by, what, four or five, I guess? Normally there are 13 episodes, and this season is, is broken up into two eight-episode chunks. Although, frankly, this just sort of felt to me like a short season. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I, I don't know. I was on Twitter, like, a few weeks ago, and I was like, this series is better than, like, the Godfather trilogy. Like, seriously. And keep in mind that the third installment of that trilogy was, like, not a good movie. But um, I think it's fascinating and amazing, and I love the way... They really did a great job in linking back to a lot of the events that took place in the earlier seasons. Um, you know, for example, the the the, the, the what should we call it the, the machine there in the washroom, like the air dispenser to dry your hands. Like 
you know, just little moments like that. And the way the, the thing about the season is that I was from from the, from the start, I was convinced that, you know, no matter what went wrong, somehow Walt would find a way out of it. But it would end with like Hank discovering who Walt is, his like true identity in like the simplest way. And it's exactly what happened. You know, he's at home. They're having like a family dinner. He goes into the washroom and then he reads the book, sees the initials WW and it clicks. And that's exactly what I anticipated because that's how it usually happens, even in real life. Like if you think about like some of like the biggest criminals in the world or even like some crimes that you, you know, some of those weird crimes that you hear about in like the news or whatever, the criminal always gets caught when he has his guard down, when he's like in like supposedly the safest of places or around people that, that surround him, like family and friends or whatever. And uh, it kind of all just made sense. I don't know. I really, really like this, uh, the series. And I thought uh, this specific season was extremely well directed. With Breaking Bad, it's always going to be visually interesting with with an excellent score, with excellent performances and usually very solid writing. That's one of the great things about the show is even if maybe you're not enjoying it it's so well made that it can be a pleasure to watch just at that basic level Simon what did you think of uh, the the finale and also season five so far well I I don't know man Breaking Bad I I have a strange relationship with right now because on one hand I can't deny it's absolutely one of the most aesthetically pleasurable TV shows ever created I mean, just from the cinematography to the editing to those fantastic montages, which were maybe laid on a little thick, if you ask me, in this last episode. But still, um, you know, to the acting, to the, the to the quality of the dialogue, to so many things, it's it's, it's just the the pedigree of the show is has has never been higher in terms of how great the individual parts are. But there's something about this season that hasn't really been clicking for me, and I think it has to do with the fact that. In you know, if you look back at say season three, which I th- still think is the best season they've done, you know that was when the show was the most exciting to watch. It was constantly careening from one cliffhanger to another in a way that was always unexpected and shocking and uh, actually fun. Uh, season four was a little different, a little darker, a little slower, and, but I still think it ultimately worked almost as well as that previous one did. But I think the trouble it's having now is that. Breaking Bad needs to have an ending, and it's something the show has never had to do before because it's always just kept going, and it's always found new sort of avenues of danger and new precarious positions to put Jesse and Walt in. And now, of course, you know, it can't really escalate any higher because Heisenberg's pretty much conquered the globe, and, you know, it just kind of needs to bring it back down to earth. And, uh, Kate, this is something you've talked about before, and uh, I I sort of was keeping it at bay, but now I kind of have to agree with you. There's at this point, it's now just sort of watching the dominoes fall and hoping that it happens in an interesting and exciting way. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced based on this on this finale that that's what's happening. It seems like it's 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 happening in a way that isn't all that satisfying, especially the way that I, I get what you're saying, Rick, about Hank discovering the truth via the sort of almost banal means. Which, which does make sense in terms of how things actually play out in real life. But I was a little disappointed that he he finds out the truth based on something from a season and a half ago or actually more like two full seasons ago. It was more like season two. And I, based on your whole critique, I'm kind of confused as to why you don't like the season. Because what I, what I do like about the season is unlike season three or four, 
like things are coming to an end. Like whereas in season four and season three, things just got so out of control, so ridiculous. You're like, how far can this, you know, show like take it? Like, but like aside from episode six, which I really really dislike, then episode six I believe is the episode in which um, they try to make that drug deal with I don't know who the hell it was. And Mike ties up Walt to like the, the radiator, what, what, the radiator, and somehow Walt acts like MacGyver, and he finds a way to like escape. And we've seen that done so many times before. And that whole episode was useless. It didn't uh, move any of the characters or the story forward. It just kind of like was. It felt very repetitive. But what I do like about this season is it isn't so much over the top. And like there, there like my favorite scene. Of, of this season so far was the bedroom conversation between uh, Walt and Skyler, yeah. Skyler, and and you know she basically just looked at him and she's like, "I'm a coward." She's like, "I can't leave you. I can't go to the cops. I can't protect my children." And like that whole conversation to me was like the like that was the best sequence I think of the season. That's one of the reasons why I hate Skyler so much. Like her character just annoys me and frustrates me. I mean. Yeah, I hate Walt just as much as Skylar, but for completely different reasons. And it was moments like that. And even like when Mike dies in the second last episode, that was just such a beautiful way to let that character go. Because I think we can all agree that he's one of our favorite characters, if not our favorite, of the entire series. And I thought it was a great way to finish him off. It was sad to see him leave the show, but I just loved just the way it played out, just the way he ended up by like the Riverside, you know. And you get that view of nature and he just like, he just turns to Walt. He's like, shut the fuck up. I just want to die in peace. Like I love little moments like that. And yes, aesthetically, this show is incredible. Like, I mean, from the cinematography to the editing, to like the um, selection for the soundtrack, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of the visual motifs and the themes that had been uh, popping in and out throughout the entire season. And again, the way they've connected so many little moments to things that have happened in the past. And, you know, with this episode, you're right, Simon, there was, it was really heavy on like montage. Like I think there was like a whole 10 minute sequence where it was like this montage montage in which it shows how like, you know, they produce the product and distributed the product and import and export the product, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, like I think of a movie like Goodfellas, like Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, and there's a whole 20-minute chunk of that film that's so similar to this episode. So if you look at the season as an actual film, it's no different than, say, a Scorsese film or Francis Ford Coppola film. There are moments where, yes, we will have that big montage, that big sequence. But in a way, it was good because that was just a, a brilliant way to fast-forward time. Like... At the beginning of the sequence, he decides to make the deal with Lydia. And by the end of the sequence, I, I'm assuming we're like at least a year into like or a few months at least into their deal because he's already, you know, he already has enough money to last him like 10 lifetimes, as she put it. So I thought in a way it was kind of needed to like move the show to where it's going to go, which is where now finally Hank finds out the truth and... Now it's going to be Hank versus Walt, just like the way it should have been. That montage, by the way, which I, I was actually a big fan of. I thought it worked really well, and uh, I was very glad to see that they were going to skip some time. That took place over three months. And, of course, we know nine months after that, roughly maybe eight and a half months, something like that, we're going to have Walt uh, at at a Denny's, you know, ripping up his bacon to for his birthday. Uh, so So... We we do have a framework of where the the show is going to go in the last eight episodes, 
and I think I think that well first of all I like this finale mid-season finale a lot more than you did Simon I think that it makes perfect sense for Walt to have completely forgotten that there's this handwritten inscription in Leaves of Grass first of all we've seen before that that he forgets things and then you know in his cleaning up after after Gus we saw him forget oh and then grab the plant and then forget something else and fix that so we've seen him you know not be as clean or have things come back to his memory later of little details that he needs to deal with so that wasn't a surprise to me and I thought it was fitting I thought it was hilarious and fitting that Hank puts it together on the can so perfect for that character um, but I think that actually, Ricky, you've put your finger on why I haven't been a big fan of this season. Um, and that's because this, this very much, this half season feels like a transition. It felt like they needed to get from the end of season four to Hank knows. And I don't really believe a lot of how they got there. I think there's been a lot of really great moments, a lot of really great character development, particularly with Skylar. I've enjoyed Anna Gunn a lot this season. I was very uh, pleasantly surprised to see Jesse out of it for most of this episode. Um, so I was very glad that they stuck true to his pronouncement in the previous episode. But my big problem with this season is Mike, and that is because he is one of my favorite characters. I don't think the Mike from this season is the same Mike from the first four. He makes too many incredibly stupid mistakes throughout this entire season for me to believe that that is something that is this something that this character would do. Even down to his you know his lawyer keeping all of the money for all the different payoffs in one bank. That's incredibly basic, simple. Uh, a mistake that somebody with his background in the police department should never make. And that's something that this character, who is so careful, would never had have made in the past. And I think that's part of a larger issue with this season, where we're seeing characters take shortcuts, or the narrative is taking shortcuts. And we first saw that with, with Walt's poisoning of the kid, or we didn't see how it happened. But then this season, there have been several, several scenes where we've just kind of skipped over to the, the how this is going to work, and we're just seeing the result. And there's also been quite a bit of coincidence in this season when that has never come up before. So I, I feel like in order to get to where they want to go, and maybe in, in just, you know, because it is such a great show, even with all of my issues with this show, it's still a, a really great show. But I feel like it's just nowhere near as satisfying uh, to me as season three and also season four, though, I, like Simon, I enjoy season three more. And it feels almost like a different show in some respects. Yeah. I feel like it's a, 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 I feel like it's not as meticulous of a show this year as it has been in the past. And that's disappointing. I'll agree with you on Mike and his whole dealings with that specific lawyer. The, I, I guess the only reason why I maybe forgive the writers for, you know, I guess you can call it like a cop-out or a shortcut, 
is because Saul clearly makes a point to make fun of Mike and, you know, address how stupid it is for him to have hired that specific lawyer and how for a pro like Mike, he didn't understand why he would do it. I think for me, with Mike's character, I think I just see it has, well, now that uh, um, Fring is no longer around and he was the one that was really calling the shots, I think Mike basically, A, wants out. He's sick of the business. Uh, he doesn't have as much hope or faith in the business or the people that surround him anymore because Fring was kind of like the ringleader. And I think that that's why he sort of slowly became sloppy. And I think that he was just like fed up of dealing with people like Walt and Jesse. See, I don't, I don't believe he would, the character we saw for four seasons would work with Walt at all. They needed to sell me on that in the second episode of this season. And they didn't. They set up a false dichotomy that either he had to work with Walt or he didn't have any money now, so all of his guys were going to talk and he was going to go to jail. That, those were not the only two options open to that character. And they didn't sell me at all. I totally agree. I was just about to say, until you cut in, was that the one decision from Mike that I didn't like, it wasn't the fact that he hired some sloppy lawyer or whatever. It was the fact that he didn't shoot Walt in the middle of like the desert when yes. they first encountered each yeah, other. That, was, that, that was, was an issue for me immediately. Yeah, that was the big, big misstep in the season. Everything else I can sort of forgive, but that didn't make any sense because that's what started the chain of events that we are now all bitching about. Right, and I have to say, I have to, um, I have to cop to something Kate's had a problem with that I now have a problem with that I didn't before uh, was something similar to the Mike issue, which which is Lydia. And, you know, I, I really, when she was first introduced, I really thought she brought an interesting dynamic to things where she didn't seem to be really, she didn't really seem to mesh with the criminal environment very well. And I was really intrigued to find out how she got in, into this position and, and what sort of part she was going to play. But then in this last episode, you know, she still has that slight tinge of nervousness, but she's clearly way more together all of a sudden, like when she's dealing with, with Walt, which doesn't really make much sense to me because she seemed to be pretty damn skittish around Gus and his people. But then when she's dealing with the guy who killed Gus, who she clearly knows that he is, she seems to be way more together. I, I don't know. She's no longer makes any sense to me. And I feel like we're never going to find out how this very nervous human being got involved in this anyway. So I'm I'm a little disappointed about where they've gone with her. Yep. I have to uh, think about that. Um, cause, cause I know when she, when she met Walt at the coffee shop, she still was a little bit nervous at the beginning. She was insisting that he order something. He's like, look, I don't have to order anything. It'll work its way just fine. But I guess you're right. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, she is a businesswoman and she did present him with a, a specific business deal that she knew he had interest in. So maybe that's why she had more confidence that he wouldn't like whack her. I don't know. She just didn't, she didn't feel like the same person to me. I mean, she, and like, if you think about the person who a few episodes ago when the DEA was, was, was kicking around, she was wearing mismatched shoes. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Did, didn't seem like the same person to me. Didn't seem like the same person we saw talk to, to Mike and be utterly squirrely in basically the exact same situation that we see her in this episode. Perhaps that's intended to show a progression on her part, but if that's the case, and I think they failed in that in their execution because we didn't see her grow. We just saw her change drastically. But I think I think at the same time there is this like specific timeline between her first encounter with Walt and that second encounter. Again, I don't remember how much time had passed, but it was not uh, much. Like a week, well, two weeks. What you think? Yeah, yeah, it's not much time. 
The, the whole timeline of this show is really, really short. It's a year and three months, maybe four. Yeah, it's uh, that, which is something that I'm I'm always forgetting, and Kate, you're constantly reminding me of. I feel like uh, I because I agree with you, Rick, about the relative uselessness of episode six. I kind of feel like that should have been the Lydia episode where we got to figure out what the hell her deal was. Yeah, I agree because that episode was useless. I mean, if they needed to stretch out the season, they could have at least built up on one of these additional characters they added in season five. Like Todd would have been another character to to find out more yeah. about. Right, and can we talk about Todd for a second? Like. Uh, you know, I love having Jesse Plemons on this show because he's so great on um, on Friday Night Lights, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in P.T. Anderson's The Master as well. But, you know, I have a really hard time with the fact that this kid springs up out of nowhere who has these massive connections in jail, which end up being incredibly convenient. Does anyone else have an issue with that? Um, yeah, I have issues with that character, too. <laughs> I was mostly just glad to see Kyle Rankin show up. Who's not been on Friday Night Lights and Justified and Breaking Bad, so he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, he's he he pops up all over the we place. We can forget about Unforgettable. But but you know you know what I don't understand about the actual characters of Jesse and Walt, or even like Skyler, for example. It's like so you go into like the business of selling crystal meth, and you're supposedly making so much money, but they haven't actually used any of that money to enjoy themselves. Like they haven't gone on a holiday. I think he bought like one car. Like maybe that's it. And I'm just like, like, that seems like a lot of work, you know, when essentially you're not even like wreaking the benefits of like this criminal operation. But, but it's not about money. It's about power. And that's why, though, I think they did a good job of showing that his giving it, giving it up or getting out was, uh, you know, only a temporary situation. We didn't, he wasn't out for very long before Hank has figured things out. I don't buy him for a second as permanently giving up his role as Heisenberg just because he's so thirsty for recognition and power. Yeah, but they, they've established that with Walt's character, fine. I mean, like, the whole idea that he could have been a billionaire only, like, in college, he, like, decided to sell his shares of the company to his friends, and therefore, you know, we know the whole story. But I'm talking specifically about people like Jesse and, like, Skylar. I mean, like, like it took forever for Jesse to finally be like, fuck this shit, I'm out, right? Like... He should have been doing that, like, a long time ago. I mean, how many bodies did they have to, like, dispose of? <laughs> how many times did he have to have a gun pointed at his face before he was like, okay, I'm finally out of the business? Um, so it was – at least they finally got to that point where Jesse is out. Like, he did walk away, at least for now. We'll see what happens to him. You know, the, the thing about Jesse that I have a hard time buying right now is that he's alive. You know, the, the, the fact that he's a guy who is an addict – who, you know, who smokes meth and probably other stuff and who has reams and reams of money and nothing really to live for since he can't seem to hold down, you know, a family and he has no actual relatives. I don't really buy that he wouldn't have had a, had an overdose by had now. Had a relapse? Well, because we see a bong out. Do we know that he's using meth or just pot or? We don't. And that's all. And that's partially, I mean, I assume that's partially by design. It's also partially because I feel like we haven't spent enough time with Jesse really in quite a while, and that stretches back even before season five. Yeah, season four, too. That's because they decided to introduce all these new characters in this season that we know nothing about. Like, I'm not even sure who those drug dealers were that they were making, like, a deal with. Like, were they they were from, like, some other, like, state. But where did that deal go, by the way? Like, so, like, Walt shows up in a desert. He convinces, like, you know, like, the mafia to, like, crack a deal with him in which they're only getting like 35% of like the cut, which sounds ridiculous because you would assume that they would just shoot him dead on the spot. And then we totally forget about that specific like 
partnership they have. And all of a sudden he has a partnership with Lydia. So I'm like, what exactly is going on here? And how is Walt actually running things? Because yeah, he knows how to, how to cook the meth, but he knows jack shit about distribution. He clearly has no people skills. So I don't even know how he could be managing this whole operation. Well, and there's also the fact that the, the, the limit they were running into is that they could only make a certain amount of meth per house, you know, per, per cook. And that was their limiting factor. And we didn't see that get resolved at all. And yet all of a sudden they have enough production to, to deal within the States to their, their contact in the desert and also to ship internationally. That's another one of these shortcuts that's been bugging me this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that that hadn't even occurred to me. But yeah, you're right. They do seem to be suddenly producing a lot more meth. You know, another thing that's really stupid about about Walt's whole operation that didn't even occur to me until a few minutes ago, you're going to start shipping meth internationally. Uh, maybe it's a good idea with all that with the DEA crawling on Madrigal and all this stuff to maybe I, I know hubris and all that, but maybe drop the signature blue tint on your meth when you're shipping it overseas you know, do you really want everyone to know that you're doing that? Oh, it's like, not a tint. It's that that the chemical process, it comes out blue. You could maybe right, add but, a tint so that's a different color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so I'm sure, that, you know, he's a, he, he's he's obviously a brilliant chemist. Maybe change it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should maybe I should be dealing meth. <laughs> Look, I, I, I've been I've been really pleased with season five and I think we're all in the right like when we're nitpicking at all these like supposed like plot holes and you know, shortcuts at a narrative devices, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But at the same time I think the show has gone downhill ever since Gus died. Because ever since Gus died, I mean, where were they going with the show? Because before it made sense, like Gus was the ringleader, he's been doing this for years. But I mean like with him out of the picture, like how we have to like suspend our disbelief oh so far to, you know, believe that Walt can actually pull off an establishment like Gus. I mean, just because the guy knows how to cook meth doesn't mean that he knows how to communicate with criminals and get them to do what he wants to do and hire hitmen to like assassinate like eight guys in a prison or three prison cells <laughs> uh, within a matter of like two minutes and crack deals with like people in like the Czech Republic. And like, I mean... It was just like it was all way too much to like to to, to like I mean it's too convenient I suspended... that Todd too knows convenient. a guy and that they know a whole network of guys. Lydia can knows when a train is gonna come, and there's been a lot of convenience this season. However, I would say that the issue isn't so much about uh, the law, you know, the killing off Gus Fring. I think there are any number of really interesting, successful ways they could have taken the show after that point. I think maybe they needed to have put in a little more legwork um, ahead of time before they killed Gus to have there be somebody else other than Mike who would who would be willing to work with Walt, who I would believe knows enough about the the operation to be able to to now switch and work with Walt and pick up where they left off. But they could have, they could have, they could have used Lydia. If they had introduced reason, her earlier, perhaps. If they, if they had introduced her earlier and actually changed up her character to show her as a smart businesswoman, I mean, she specifically says at the restaurant on, on, their, uh, on their last meetup that, she, you know, who do you think helped Gus create his empire? He didn't do it by himself. That would be more believable than having Walt, you know, 
ask Jesse, Todd, and Mike to perform like the most incredible train heist that I've seen on television in the past like five years or so. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm it like, was really cool. Let's not, yes. you know. It was, it was, <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> what I find interesting in retrospect about season five, which I'm going to just start thinking of this as season five because it really did feel pretty self-contained, is that if you think about it, it was really just a series of heists with sort of, you know, interstitial material. You know, we went from the, from the so-so thing and near at the beginning of the season with the demagnetizing mm-hmm. of uh, of the evidence, then to the incredible train heist, then to the I'm just gonna say for me personally very upsetting montage we got uh, with the many many shivings and burnings, which I oh. don't know I I never got oh, over just to how pick yourself ho- up. Oh, just the sight of of someone getting stabbed that many times that fast by so many people just is never not upsetting to me. Yeah, but you see, and here's here's I think why I've enjoyed season five because I think somewhere, and I, I actually I think I know specifically the point in which I was just like I'm going to suspend my disbelief and just sit back and enjoy the show, and it's when Walt, uh, sorry not Walt Gus was assassinated and like he blew him up and he see him walk out of the door and he slowly turns around and you see half his face missing and a lot of people on the internet were complaining about that specific moment and I just loved it because I think when they reached that 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 moment in the show. It was kind of like, look, this show has been so, it's, it's just been so out of control. So many crazy, weird, coincidental things have been happening to this like one man who used to be like a high school teacher that I think it's time that we just got to suspend our disbelief and just have fun with the show. And yet, at the same time, it kind of sucks because we're sitting here bitching about, you know, or nitpicking about certain plot holes and things that have been popping in and out. A lot of characters like Lydia, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's why I like season five, because, you know, the whole sequence, like you mentioned, Simon, uh, in the three prisons, when they start assassinating those like nine guys, the train heist, and even the whole sequence in which they use the magnet to try to destroy the evidence. I mean, that was just fun. That was fun television. And this season has been a little bit more fun and had a little bit more humor than some of the previous seasons, which were extremely dark. Uh, You know, another thing that's, I think... Um, that's sort of letting me down about the season. And I, again, I, I I have to cop to you know still really enjoying the show and enjoying all of its individual aspects. I think now that we've gone beyond the bounds of sort of the Jesse and Walt adventures, I think we we lose a lot of uh, we lose a lot of humor. We lose a lot of excitement. You know, if you if you compare something like sort of the the climax of season three with Jesse and Walt uh, taking on. Uh, sort of Gus and Gale and Mike, you know, you you think about how many twists and turns just that event had and how pulse quickening every single beat of that was. And then compare it to, you know, we need, we need to kill off nine guys in jail. This time it's, we just hire some guys to do that. They say it's going to be hard. Walt says, do it anyway. And they do it like that's there's to me, there's just no comparison. We also, by the way, we never saw him, them kill the lawyer. Wasn't that the 10th? name i guess are we supposed to assume that happened at the same time oh yeah you're right well we yeah we just assume yeah well that that was probably easier because he wasn't in jail yeah just this this what didn't used to be a show where we had to assume yeah that's true. my frustration i think um because yes this is a very it's an excellent show it's i think we we can talk I mean, we're running out of time here, but we could talk, I think, a little bit about the performances this season, which I think have been exceptional, even if I'm not necessarily a big fan of the writing that these actors are given to work with or the plausibility of it. But 
when the, what was made Breaking Bad, even though for me, due to my disdain for Walt at around season two, what made it a a difficult show to watch, uh, even though it was a difficult show to watch, that is, what made it great is that they didn't do that. You didn't have to shut off your brain and go for the ride. It was better than that. And so while, yes, it is fun to shut off your brain and go for the ride, and if you're going to do it, this is such a well-made, excellently produced, invigorating show to watch from a, you know, as a cinematic piece of television, I guess I'm just spoiled because I want more. I think the problem with this show um, is that the show became so incredibly popular that I think originally Vince Gilligan only wanted to do like three or four seasons. And because they asked him to stretch the show to like five or six seasons, it became impossible to make it believable. And now they have to do these quote unquote shortcuts with the narrative and speed things up to get the show to actually end. And I think that's kind of like, that's kind of like the curse. Are they speeding it up? So you said that they were stretching it and speeding it up. So which one is it? And also there's still only like 3 million people watch this show. This show is incredibly popular. Like, maybe 3 million people watch it live, but, I mean, if you take into account how many people download the show and rent it on DVD and purchase a DVD, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which, well, it's because what you consider popular and, like, uh, successful, I mean, for me, this is a successful show. I don't care if it's, like, 5 million people or 5 people watching it. The point is they asked him to do more seasons than he intended to do. So if the Vince Gilligan and the creators came into the show with a specific mindset of how they wanted to end it, and then they realized that they had to create more episodes, then that's sort of like probably one of the reasons why, you know, we have these like shortcuts in the narrative where they speed things up in like, you know, finding out ways f- to get like Mike killed off or, or for it, Walt to expand his business or for like Hank to finally discover the truth, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I just got to say one more thing before you cut in. They did kill the lawyer in the prison. The lawyer was the one that was locked in the room. And that's why they had to throw the thing th- through the, the oh, slot to burn it to death. visiting? There we go. Okay. So now we iron that out. Thank you, <laughs> uh, Kate. Kate, you you wanted us to talk about about uh, the performances in, in the in the show, and I I think obviously we have to single out the fact that, you know, uh, Hank doesn't often get monologues, and uh, just based on you know his position in the show, and uh, obviously so for me, that scene between Dean Norris and Brian Cranston was just so so great because we almost never get to see him really flex his acting muscles. You know, so often Hank is relegated to sort of comic relief or sort of just just playing a very different sort of role from everyone else and here it was nice to see him just a reminder that he's just as good as everyone else also just as good as betsy uh brantz who doesn't get that much to do as marie but she i think she does provides a really necessary uh support role and because uh, i think you can't have all these crazier more uh uh, bigger characters that is like Walt and like Skylar has become this season without having uh, such a believable uh, supporting performance from Marie and usually and m- most of Hank this season has been that same that same thing. Well, I, you know, I got to give credit to the character Skylar and I'm sorry I don't know the actress uh Anna name Gunn. of the actress. Yeah, I I think she's given the best performance throughout all of season 5 and I I despise her character so much but with good reason. I mean, I think you're supposed to be sort of like appalled and you know, not necessarily happy with some of the decisions she's made because she is the mom of these two kids and she shows such great concern for her kids, but yet she seems to never either make a decision or make the wrong decision. And it's so frustrating to watch her character, but has, like, the actress is just doing such an incredible job, be it, like, the whole entire, like, 
uh, bedroom discussion she had with Walt or even like the simplest thing where she just walks into the, like the swimming pool mm-hmm. and to the point where she practically drowns herself. Like she's done a fabulous job. Well, and th- there's, you know, and Skylar is to me another, and obviously Annie Gunn's been doing a great job. To me, she's sort of another thing not quite done justice by this season where we see her as being both uh, clearly very depressed and very desperate, but also seemingly not desperate enough to want to do anything about her position and, or, or to, or to actually do anything about her position. And it's a, it's a frustrating dichotomy to watch. And I'm not sure that the show ever really justifies it enough. Well, she seemed early on, like she was stunned and then that she was finally in motion, that she was going to do something, but, Instead, the conclusion she came to is that she had nothing to do or didn't know what she could do. So, again, she went back to doing nothing. While I enjoy Skylar a lot more than you do, Ricky, she's probably one of my favorite characters on the show at this point. Um, I And Anna Gunn's, of course, fantastic. Uh, I think that, yeah, I, I can see how her her role and what she's been doing particularly and her unwillingness to just go to the freaking cops i feel like i'm yelling at a horror movie screen you know <laughs> yeah totally it's not even going to the cops her her, her she's related to the dea <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what i mean like yeah oh so frustrating i think even given that it's it's been such a great uh it's been such a great season for her, at least comparatively. She's We've gotten so much more inside her head in a way that we haven't in the past. And yes, I think they do did need more, but I wish we got as much Jesse internal internal monologue and internal struggle as we got Skylar this season. Totally. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Walt is supposedly out, and Jesse's out, and Mike's dead, and now Hank sort of discovers the truth about, you know, Walt's sort of like alter ego, but I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do now. I mean, how does, how, how do they make it interesting enough for Hank to investigate the case and specifically Walt has been, you know, the leader of like this like drug establishment when Walt is supposedly out of the game? Well, if I had to, if I had to wage, if I had to put in a guess, I would assume that Hank will be rageful for a moment and then collect himself and figure out methodically the best way to take him down. It may involve trying to flip Skyler, which would seem like a, a natural thing to do. Um, you know, since most other options are, are too complicated. But uh, I, I don't see him just you know stepping out of that bathroom and saying you. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I think we're gonna Simon. We're gonna do some quarter bets when we're getting close to the the new season starting up. Yeah, we're gonna have a betting pool for uh, who dies when, who lives, who How does gets it end, busted, etc. All that good stuff. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think they left it at a really good point for us to be able to to wonder what's going to happen next year. But but we unfortunately we we should wrap this up. It's it's we've been going for a while about double our usual length. Um, so do you guys have any final thoughts about this episode, the season? I just, I, I just see it ending with Jesse on the last frame. Like no matter what happens to Walt and Skylar and his family, um, somehow I just feel like they're somehow going to end with Jesse, like walking away or something. Like I, I can't imagine them ending like with Walt dying or Walt being in prison. I don't know. They're just, cause I think everybody just loves Jesse so much. 
And but I, I just I'm confused. I have no idea where the show's going, and that's a good thing, I guess. I, I have a guess as to where the show's going, which I'm betting. I'm betting cancer relapse on the run, can't get treatment. So he ends up, Jesse ends up uh, there. There, in, he's in some locked battle with Walt, but Walt's just too sick to carry on. So Jesse just puts him out of his misery in the desert. Maybe melts him afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> Would be fitting. Um, yeah, I guess I. My final thought on this episode, this finale in the season is, I think they've done a really good job setting up for where they're going, and I am fascinated to find out what happens between where we are and that that Denny's. And right now, for whatever reason, if I had to guess where I think it's going, I, I see Walt with a shotgun and something just tells me, I just see him shooting up a courtroom or something. I don't know. Like something really nuts? Something really extreme, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm really looking for it. As much as, you know, despite all the issues I have with with this season and with what feels like a declining quality of the show, I am still absolutely enjoying the show and I, and I can't wait for it to come back and hopefully end with these fi- with eight final episodes, just as strong as the show has ever been to really go out on a high note. That would be great. So Ricky, thank you so much for coming on to talk breaking rad with us again. Uh, where can everybody find you? Everyone can essentially find me at Sound Insight, www.soundinsight.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and uh, tell your friends about us. Absolutely. So that is uh, our Week in TV and uh, Breaking Bad and all sorts of stuff. A lighter Week in TV this week, but there was, also, there was some good stuff. Yeah, there was. Nothing mind-blowing, but uh, yeah. hopefully that's coming with uh, the FX stuff wrapping up their season soon, although... Is is Wilfred also taking a week off this week? Um, no, I don't believe it is. Weird. No, next week is uh, resentment. So yeah, we're we're getting right to the end of of Wilfred here. Uh, I believe yeah, R- Wilfred finishes up in the next two weeks, and then Louis is a couple weeks after that. So I guess maybe they wanted to space it out a little longer. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I but... would assume it's just a it's a production issue. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, let's let's hit a few show notes here before we go out. Our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by The Bicycles. You can find us upstreaming at soundonsite.org where there will be a post for this for this episode. Feel free to leave us comments there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, your, what, what you thought of all this various TV this week. What, uh, what Where you fall with uh, the Daleks and Doctor Who and Simon actually watching Doctor Who. Um, I don't know, maybe Breaking Bad. I'm not sure Bad. where I fall on that yet. We're a little bit of a dissonance there between the uh, between the three of us about Breaking Bad. So let us know who you agree with um, and what you're predicting for next next year with that with that show. Um, but you can also find us streaming at Current TV. We are up in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed as well as an MP3 unchaptered feed. We would love to get ratings and reviews. If you're looking for a way to help the show, that's a really easy one. Just Click a, st- a certain number of stars, give a reason, and uh, we very much appreciate it. Yes. Yes, we do. You can reach us on Twitter at The Televerse for me and for you. I'm at Sucker Howl. And, of course, you can also email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. We did get our first email this week from a listener, which was great. It was lovely uh, hearing hearing from you. Uh, what What should our question of the week be? I'm wondering if there's a, a like a, a critically acclaimed show that people have, have tried watching over the past season that they just can't get into for some reason. Okay. 
like Louis or Breaking Bad or yeah. something like that. Or even Wilfred, which to me is getting increasingly good. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that's a good one. Let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. Also, if there's a show this fall that you want us to, to, to check out or review, let us know. Right now we have, we have 24 different shows lined up that we're going to be covering week to week. Sweet Lord. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we're still looking for somebody <laughs> to cover American Horror Story though. So if you're looking, if you want to write about, uh, American Horror Story, let us know. Cause that's definitely a show we're looking to find somebody for, um, as well as there's a couple other new shows that we'd like to get mm-hmm. covered, but, uh, but yeah, let us know. Cause there's a couple that I feel bad for never having checked out, um, like, yeah. like Parenthood, yeah. some of these other ones. So let us know. Yeah, I'm actually thinking of jumping in on Parenthood this season, just saying, screw it. I mean, how hard can it be to figure out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might do the same thing, actually. I was just thinking about that yesterday. So, the ni- nice little... Televerse Hive Mind returns. <laughs> yes, Hive Mind. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. <laughs>